We are back. That was Amanda Marshall with uh, Let It Rain. And standing by for this last segment is Julia Joseph. <coughs> Good morning. Oh, caught, caught you clearing your throat. <laughs> Here I am. Yes. <laughs> How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. I want to thank you so much for calling in. Well, thanks for having me. I've been um, previewing you coming on the show by playing some of your music. Um, let's start there. How long have you been a singer? I've been a singer most of my life, meaning I've been singing since I was a kid just because I always wanted to and liked to. And then I guess I started doing it more professionally after college. I studied in college a bit um, and went from there. It's, it's a gradual kind of organic process, and then you, it's a, sort of a blurred line as to when you actually start doing it professionally. Or I guess it's the first time you get paid to do it. Right. So, yeah. So that would be, I guess, a little bit after college, yeah. And um, it's interesting. I was looking at your vocal demo on your website, juliajoseph.com forward slash music, and you've done stuff for 30 Rock and all kinds of different jingles and things. That must be really exciting. It's so much fun. Yeah. Um, the 30 Rock stuff came about uh, through my friend Giancarlo Volcano, who's a composer, and he was working on the show with Jeff Richmond. And um, they, he brought me in to do, uh, like, a spoof commercial that was this really sultry song. And it's a lot of fun. Um, it happens really fast. You really have to be on your toes. So it's, like, a, it's a cool challenge with a very quick reward cycle. <laughs> and uh, tell me about the, ro- is it the Loyals? The Loyals. Loyals. Yes. So the Loyals is a a party band that I have with my friend Milton, who's a phenomenal songwriter. And um, that sort of happened also organically. Milton um, was playing up at a really cool place called the Dream Away Lodge in the Berkshires. Mm -hmm. And it was a, it used to be a brothel and a lot of, a lot of really famous um, musicians have passed through there. It has kind of an underground following. Bob Dylan used to frequent there, and Joan Baez. Cool. And um, Arlo Guthrie. And so he was playing up there a lot, and we would periodically get asked to come up and play parties beyond the singer-songwriter stuff he was doing. And it was an opportunity for Milton and I to play the music that we love the most. We have very, very similar musical sensibilities. We love old blues and, you know, sort of deep cut 60s R&B mm-hmm. and, you know, then stuff like the Traveling Wilburys and Tom Petty. And, That's great. Um, so we would just sort of do whatever we loved the most and people responded really well to it. And um, someone asked us to play a wedding and there was an agent there. And so we put this thing together and it's been so, so much fun. That is great. That. And I just I want to mention again that all that info about that band and uh, your musical background is up on juliajoseph.com. And um, what else? You've, so you do all these different events. How do you stay so positive in an industry that's so tough? Um, just by the nature of the fact that I do what I love. Mm-hmm. That in and of itself is, is a huge reward. I'm not really that good at navigating the business side of things. And, in fact, I'm kind of like 
just recently making myself sort of sit down and really understand the social media platforms and how it works. And actually, um, for the most part, a lot of musicians have found it to be really disheartening, and I totally understand why, because there's, it's, it's so flooded, it's hard to stand out, and the whole process of getting likes and views and oh, all that yeah. stuff just feels sort of demoralizing. Yes. At the same time... Um, there's a lot more opportunity in a way to get yourself out there and to be heard because everybody is sort of self-made. Um, you know, talk right. to me in a couple of months after I've really been doing it for a while. I don't know. I, know. <laughs> I don't know how I'm going to feel about it then. But I just, you know, I just, when I, when I leave a party and everybody's joyful, mm-hmm. I'm joyful and I'm happy and I'm, and I go, my God, I'm, I'm doing what I love. And I got paid for it. You know, that doesn't happen all the time. That happens, obviously, a lot more with the uh, parties and wedding events and stuff like that. But I just I just try to take stock and find gratitude and realize um, how much abundance I actually have. And it's really easy to focus on what's missing. Sure. And so I just have to remind myself to focus on what I have and go from there. I think it's wonderful because there's nothing better than walking away from something where you felt like you contributed and you added such meaning. Yeah, I've I've had an epiphany about that again recently, just playing with the Loyals because a lot of times we get feedback from people saying, oh my God, I I never dance and I couldn't stop dancing. And (laughs) it's so good for you. It's good for people to dance. It's good for people to have fun. It's good for people to sort of lose their self-consciousness and get lost in great music. It's good for people to sing I have a lot of friends who don't want to sing around me because they say, oh, but you're so good. And I, and I have to say, like, it's so good for you to sing. It doesn't matter if your voice sounds great or if your pitch is perfect right. because you're engaged in loving something, and that can only be good for you. I know because we get so caught up in being so busy and it's so hectic and we're stressed, we forget how to live and enjoy life. Yeah, yeah, um, I, you were talking to the the author previously, mm-hmm. and about ways of self care, and you know, you could just hum a tune to yourself walking down the street in the middle of your busy life, or or sing a song that you love in the shower. I know it's a cliche, but I think it makes a difference. I think it shifts your energy. It does. Um, I'll share some with you, and then I want to talk okay. about. I want to talk about your mom after I share this. So, okay. Um, tomorrow will be three years since my dad uh, passed away, and he oh. had, he had cancer, and uh, I had to really think about how I was going to take care of myself because it was so heavy and tough on me on so many levels. And I found myself walking and walking and playing music and writing and all those things. Just and being mindful that I had to take care of myself was so important. Yeah, it's um, it's a pretty intense and wildly disorienting thing to go through. It's like you're, I don't, I you know, I didn't realize how much my parents are an axis for my life, and so when that axis is gone, you have to completely reorient yourself. And it, that way, if even you know someone dies of old age, and mm-hmm. then when it's a tumultuous or violent death, like from cancer. Right. That in and of itself feels so um, cruel and confusing. And so that's also something that you have to orient yourself around. Yes. And um, it's incredibly difficult. And I don't know 
if I would know to take care of myself, if I didn't have people around me reminding me how important that is. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have been doing it. And what's hard for me is bowing out of caring for others. Um, yes. I want to make sure my brother's okay. I want to make sure my mom's husband is okay. I want to pe- pe- keep people company. I want to um, help them through their loneliness and their pain. And I, through that process, very often I'm sort of putting myself aside and not even thinking about what I need. So to kind of like regroup and see what I'm doing and trust that, you know, they can take care of themselves. And we're obviously we're all here for each other. And if there's an emergency, it's not like I've bowed out completely. Of course, of um, course. But it's, it's, it's difficult. It, it takes a lot of diligence. And I'm in a, a position right now where I have a lot of free time. And so I have been able to do a lot of self-care. Mm-hmm. My brother is not in that position. You know, he's got a really demanding, really intense job. And there are times where he said that it's been helpful to throw himself into that. And there are times where I think it would probably be really helpful for him to have some space to just fall apart. Yes. Um, But one thing that I've noticed very profoundly is that the way our society runs and functions, there is no time for death. There's no time for mourning. There's no time for so much of the most profound human experiences we have in life. And I think that's very problematic. That's really interesting because, um, so what you're saying is we're all just say we're busy and we keep going, 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 and we never face the fact that we're hurting because I feel like that's the message. One of the messages of my show is you're supposed to go through the really hard parts of life to find more beautiful moments and you have to face that pain. Yeah. And I just, we just don't have time for it. And um, I can't remember what there's a, a Jungian psychologist who said, and I, and I'm remiss that I can't remember who it was, something to the effect of um, we avoid real suffering by engaging in neurotic suffering. And the neurotic suffering is like, oh, I'm so busy. I can't do this. I can't do that. It's a neurosis. It's anxiety. It's not just stopping, stepping out of the rat race, getting off of the hamster wheel, sitting in your space, sitting with your feelings and really sinking into them. And it's a terrifying thing to do, but when you do it, somehow there is a kind of relief that happens because it's what we need to be doing. Yes. And I think that, you know, like you were saying, you sit down and play guitar and Mm -hmm. that helps you. I feel the same way. And the reason that helps me is because that's what I need to be doing and I'm finally doing it. So it's not, you know, when you're living in a constant state of avoidance, there's so much anxiety in that state. And, um, yes. But it's a very, very scary thing to do. It's not easy. No. Um, but I, I do think that it's what's called for. And I do think that that's when the healing actually begins. And that's when you, you can start to integrate your experience and evolve into the new person that you become from that new experience. Definitely. Um, and I'll just tell you this, this is why I started my show, because I almost, let's see, 2010, um, I lost a friend of mine uh, from high school, and I couldn't figure out, 
I was just shocked that she had passed away. And I, I thought, I need to do something. I took a year off from the station, and I need mm. to do something to heal and process this because I thought, how come some people can get out of their funk and others don't? They go further, deeper down. And, um, and I, this show has been tremendous for me, and it's also been healing. That's fantastic. Yeah. yeah, I don't I don't know why some people do it and some people don't. I think everyone has sort of a different temperament. I think everyone has a different calling. I think everyone has a kind of essential being and kind of an essential journey that they're going to be on in this life. And um, I'm someone who's hyper, hypersensitive, and um, I feel a lot. I feel people around me. I feel energy around me, and... For me, it's really just uh, an imperative for survival mm-hmm. that I have, I have to process all the information that I'm taking in and all the energy I'm absorbing and all the feelings I'm feeling. Right. And, you know, I don't feel like I have a choice to not do it. Yes. Well, that's what makes you who you are. I suppose. Mm-hmm. I, people tell me that's, you know, a part of what the power of the music is about. Um, but yeah, that's what makes me who you are and the way you do it is what makes you who you are. And I think for the people that do need to do something, you know, you've created the show and now you have a community and you have people that you're speaking to. And I think for those that can do that, um, a lot of other people benefit. There's a, a ripple effect to it. Definitely. And so I think it's a, a great thing if, if you can do that. It's helpful. I was going to ask you earlier because I feel like listening to you and your whole backstory, music and performing, I you could probably never imagine your life without music. No, I definitely can't. <laughs> yeah. Definitely can't. I mean, um, it's been a tremendous gift for you. It, it has been a gift for me. You know, all those things are sort of a blessing and a curse because I'm not someone who could be happy you know, doing a desk job or um, there there are limitations to it, you know, when you have to do this thing that's kind of hard to do and hard to make a living from and it's confronting and it it keeps you very vulnerable. Mm -hmm. But honestly, I love it the most um, when I'm singing, when I'm on stage, when I'm playing with friends is when I feel the most right and that's sort of when all of my brain chatter stops and I just feel like I'm in the zone. And um, it's so exciting and it's just such a joyful experience and I'm, and I'm so, so, so grateful for it every time it happens. I love it. Uh, do you have a certain time of day uh, that you like to sit down and write? Um. I kind of I kind of write on impulse, mm-hmm. and I think that that's actually something that I'm trying to uh, train myself out of because I think that you I think that there's something about uh, getting on a schedule sort of trains your brain to open up to a different place and a different source. Um, I mentioned Carl Jung before, and I and I'm I do Jungian analysis. I mean, I'm in Jungian analysis, and the the people that really do it by the book 
really try to stick to a schedule because your brain sort of gets programmed of like, okay, the therapy session is coming. I'm going to start opening up. I'm going to start making myself more vulnerable. And then you go in and you have your session and then you kind of like go back into your container. So I think it's the same with um, writing and creativity. It's very important to actually just, create a space and create a time for things to come. And that's something that I haven't really mastered because I do live a lot according to whim and impulse. Um, But that's something that I'm working on now in my life to really create more structure and more space for my creativity. But don't you find, Julia, that sometimes just a song idea comes to you and then you're like, you're scribbling something down. It could be just this funny time of day. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I've got like a thousand voice memos on my phone and my (laughs) iPod and in my computer. And there's a song on my record that I wrote basically waiting for the train. And there's another song I'm recording that I wrote doing alternate side parking. Yeah, the, the, (laughs) the melodies come and the words come when they come and you have to answer 100%. Right. I also think it's important to create space for that to happen, too, and also to sit and actually revisit all the voice memos and the notes and the jottings, you know, mm-hmm. you, to turn them into something. I think it's great. Are you the only one in your family who's musical? Um, I'm the only person that does it fully, but my father plays guitar and sings and played guitar a whole life, and nice. my brother, my brother is a visual artist. But when he was in high school, he did theater and he had a rock band and he's a great singer. And um, actually, this past Thanksgiving, I found out that my great grandfather on my dad's side was a luthier. A luthier? And was a very. A luthier. He made violins. Oh. And uh, he was very musical, apparently. And my grandmother was a thespian. And I'm finding out, you know, bits and pieces. But I'm the only person that is, you know, on stage singing on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. I think it's great. Yeah. And um, I want to mention you have a lot of events because you're based in New York. Yeah. Uh, a lot of events at Joe's Pub coming up. Yeah, that's something that I do with a series called The Losers Lounge. Um, it's the 25th anniversary that's happening this weekend. The Losers Lounge um, is a really fun sort of underground New York City collective that's been happening for, well, 25 years. And um, it's the brainchild of Joe McGinty, who is a keyboardist for Psychedelic Furs. And basically there's a house band on the stage and a different singer comes out for every song. And they're tribute shows. And the singers are very eclectic. Motley crew of artists, performers, go-go dancers. Um, There's usually some dark humor to it, and it can be kitschy. Um, And what I love about it, and what I love about everybody that does it, is how wholeheartedly everybody does it. They come out for one song, and they do it totally and completely with complete conviction, and they always have a really angle to it, whether it's an outrageous costume or a comedic skit. I love it. Um, it's a really entertaining, really eclectic show. And um, this show is going to be a tribute to Paul Williams, 
who I guess most people know uh, for the music he wrote for the Muppet movies and also Evergreen, which was a huge hit at Barbara Streisand's. He wrote a lot of music for the Carpenters. I'm going to be doing a Karen Carpenter song. Um, That's great. And he also wrote the music for a movie called Bugsy Malone, which was a kid's gangster movie with Jodie Foster and I think Scott Baio. Really fun stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm excited about it. And all that info is up on your website, juliajoseph.com, right? Yeah, that's the best source for everything, really. And um, you can link to my YouTube if you want to see performance videos. I have my stuff. I have stuff I do with the layouts. I have pretty much all of my Losers Lounge performances. I've got a couple more that I need to upload. Um, but, yeah, that's the, that's the home base for everything. Fantastic. Any last bit of info you'd like to leave the listeners with? Um, I think you pretty much covered it. I just wish everyone a good day and encourage everyone to sing a song or dance, dance, or just do something that makes them feel happy. Definitely. And stop with all the negative self-talk. Just go do it. Yeah, just do it. But, you know, if you are having negative self-talk, have compassion for yourself. Yeah. Just say, oh, well, I'm being really negative with myself. I wonder what that's about. You know, I don't think I don't think people should beat themselves up for it. Yes. Because it's really easy to get into another cycle of like, oh, no, I'm having negative thoughts. It's terrible, <laughs> which is, you know, it compounds itself. Just like, just take it easy. <laughs> yeah, it's true because life is tough. Yeah, very. You know, very, very. Well, I want to thank you so much for calling in. It's been fantastic. Julia Joseph, uh, have a wonderful day. And hopefully I'll get to meet you sometime in person. Yes, that would be fantastic. All right. I'll keep in touch. Thanks so much. Thanks. Take care. Bye-bye. You too. Bye. That was Julia Joseph calling in. Again, all her info is up on the show blog. And if you missed any part of my conversation with her, it will be up on the show blog within an hour after I wrap. Uh, I'm going to leave you with a few more songs from Julia. Uh, Again, juliajosephmusic.com. And no, juliajoseph.com, excuse me. And uh, she's got her vocal demo and a whole bunch of tracks up there. And if you'd like to find out about being a guest on my show, just send me an email to Janine, J-A-N-E-A-N-E, at K-U-C-I dot org. 